unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and you're wearing the same shirt that you were wearing last week. Or or 20 minutes ago, if you want to be honest about it. Yeah, we, we record the episode in, the episodes in batches, so we just got done recording last week's episode. Um, what do we got on the agenda? You teased last week that we were going to be talking about copywriting in low trust times, and for the last week or the last 20 minutes, I've been waiting on pins and needles to figure out what we were going to be talking about this week. Well, you know, as a marketer, I look for clues. I, I, um, I read tea leaves in events in the public that I believe, and more often than not, I'm right, are harbingers, are symbols of, of what's to come. And I was watching TV last Sunday and again, since we're recording early, this was the last Sunday of May, and I was watching Meet the Press. And it always starts with the announcer stating that this is the longest running show on TV of any show. And from a marketing, not political, but a marketing point of view, that's an enviable place to be. Uh, usually when you've been on the air since 1947 and it's 2020, that lasting power alone radiates a lot of trust. People tend to trust almost anything that's been around a long time. So it really caught my attention when in the waning section, section when in the waning session, I, I can say this, when in the waning seconds of the show, the moderator, Chuck Todd, said something I've never heard him or anyone else on TV ever say before. Thank you for trusting us. Now, the reason that caught my attention doesn't have to do with Meet the Press, which is by far not one of my favorite shows, nor what it might have said about Chuck Todd, who, to be honest with you, is not my favorite TV personality. I was a little stunned by the words, thank you for trusting us, because I don't think anyone in Chuck Todd's position would utter words like that unless he and a lot of very nervous people around him were worried about keeping the trust of the viewing audience. And don't think for a minute that this rising tide of distrust is limited to the moderator, that show, or that TV network. It's widespread. It's everywhere, frankly. And as a marketer and a copywriter, this is something you need to be aware of and to adjust your marketing message to. However, some things never change, such as this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, I included some emotional triggers in my book, Breakthrough Copywriting, that are just a perfect fit 
for helping you break through the trust barrier, helping you raise the level of trust in your copy. And I've never shared these three before here on the podcast because frankly, they're pretty intense, but I think they're good medicine today for the distrust that ails us. Um, let me go to the first one and yeah, please, please kick in with what you want to say about this, how you've used it, questions, whatever, Nathan. The first trigger is empathy through shared misery. Uh, sounds pretty awful and down in the mouth, but right now there's plenty of misery and there's plenty of people who are just starving for empathy from others. And when people are hurting, scared, or mistrustful, showing them that you know how they feel will bring down barriers and make them much more open to what you have to say and, frankly, what you have to buy. So here's the idea of this emotional trigger. You bond with the reader to let them know what you're going through. Um, this is for a uh, hype. I've worked with a lot of guys in the dating industry, but this is not for a real dating manual that I know of. Um, and let me just read you some hypothetical copy. Have you ever walked up to a beautiful woman and watched helplessly as your lips turn to jello? Don't feel bad. It's happened to a lot of guys. Problem is, when we were growing up, no one really gave us instructions that worked on how to go out with the woman of your dreams until now. Okay, so that's not much, right? It's only a few sentences, but there's a lot in there. First step is to use an example that deals with the commonly experienced human emotion like misery or a specific kind of loss or pain or grief or embarrassment. Second, rewrite everything in language that anyone can understand, like the phrase lips turn to jello. Everyone knows what jello is, and everyone knows what it's like when you can't get the words out of your mouth. There, there is a possible exception for vegans since the gelatin in Jello comes from collagen, which is derived from animals, but most everyone knows what Jello is. Um, third step, empathy. As I said here, don't feel bad. It's happened to a lot of guys. Probably meaning it's happened to the person who's writing this. Fourth step, show compassion. Show a way to eliminate the misery. Notice how this sentence lets the prospect off the hook and lets them feel okay about not being comfortable talking to women. The problem is, when we were growing up, no one gave us instructions on how to go out with the woman of your dreams until now. Okay? Um, so, again, I'm, I'm going to turn to TV commercials because I think there's one. Um, there are a lot of large corporations trying to do this these days. I don't think most of them are doing a really good job, but one of them, I think, is doing an excellent job. It's an insurance company for military veterans, USAA. I think they do a really good job talking about the, the, the toughness and the misery of, of being a veteran of military service sometimes and, and putting out their hearts to help people. Uh, my friend and client, Josh Rosenberg, right now is doing a very reasonably priced group program online. He's calling it the White Knights for people trying to get started in a new business in the currently screwed up environment. Now, 
as far as all of this goes, I have heard that empathy is easier for some people than for others. And I have also heard a theory that either you're born with it or you're not. And I don't know if that theory is 100% real, but I do know that some people have natural empathy and others have to work at developing it. Right now, whether it's easy for you or not, whether you were born with it or not, I would say as a business owner, as a copywriter, it is one of the most important qualities and assets that you can have. Okay, I'm going to jump into this. Yeah. And I'm going to do something that makes most marketers cringe. I'm going to not sugarcoat what I'm about to say. Go for it. There's a psychological aspect called trauma bonding. When two people go through a traumatic experience together, it brings them closer. And a lot of times it's even irrational. People that can't stand each other go through a traumatic experience and end up becoming best friends or lovers. A lot of like the, the whole um, odd, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, odd couple type movies where mm-hmm. two people who have nothing in common and can't stand each other, they go through a highly traumatic experience and they end up being best friends at the end of the movie. Um, a lot of uh, action movies are based upon a guy and a girl that don't like each other when they first meet, and then they go through a traumatic experience, and then they end up becoming a couple at the end of the movie. For some reason, when we go through a traumatic experience with another human being, we feel more bonded with that person. And if you can, in your copy or in your marketing, express that trauma let them know that you've been through that same trauma that they're going through right now, or that uh, you help them relive that trauma. And and it it sounds kind of slimy, but it is what it is. If you can re-experience that trauma with them and they can feel like you're right there in their shoes, dealing with the same thing that they're dealing with, it's going to make them bond with you. And when they bond with you, they're more likely to trust whatever comes after that from your, from your copy. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really good way of saying it. And, you know, you talk about people going through a trauma together. I mean, there's there's a lot of people on different sides of what we're going through, but we're all definitely going through a trauma right now. And if you can connect with people that way you're talking about, really help. So, like I said, sometimes as marketers, we don't want to be blunt about what it is that we're doing, but I couldn't figure out a way to explain that without just being blunt about it. And blunt you were. And I'm glad you were blunt. I don't mind at all. Um, So let's talk about the second emotional trigger. It's actually trigger number six, but it's the second one here. And this is about under-promising. Not not even under-promising what might happen, but under-promising what you know can happen. It's called Sour Grapes to Vintage Wine. Um, here's a quote from the book. This one's sort of subtle. You know, when you're writing copy, you want to make a big claim. And some people, sometimes the biggest part of your market will scoff at a big claim. They'll say things like, nah, that won't work for me. Or I don't think I can do that. It may not be that they're skeptical or negative. It may be, but it may not. It may be that their vision of what's possible for them is sort of blinded. And it's less than what you know is possible for them, just their vision. Your job as a copywriter, however, and this is important, listen to me, 
is not to be their life coach or their therapist. That's a job for life coaches and therapists. Your job is to convince them in terms that they will accept that your product is right for them and they should buy that. But how do you do that? Well, I'll give you an example. Again, this is for a non, not an actual product. It's just some example copy. Um, and the, the, the imaginary product is uh, a weightlifting system that allows you to add a lot of muscle mass to your body quickly. Here's the copy. Some people have told me they don't believe they can add 50 pounds to their bench press in a month. They say, what do I look like to you, a crazy person? And you know what I told them? They're right, because they don't look crazy. They look like sane people to me. So with what I can show you, you can easily add 20 pounds a month, every month. And I'll show you how to bench press the gains that you make in muscle mass and strength that far exceed what you would have experienced by pressing 20 more pounds the way you were doing it before. And that's the end of the example. Now, the nice thing about this approach is it helps you to sell to the people with stunted expectations, but it also helps the bodybuilder types grin like maniacs that I call them clinically insane because it means they know I actually understand them. And they still might well buy because they like the idea of adding 50 pounds a month to the bench press. Um, then there's a story, I think we've told it before, but it's worth telling again about Joe Carbo um, in L.A. In the, it was the late 80s, there was a big real estate boom. And he had a course to teach people how to sell real estate, make a lot of money. And so he ran a full-page ad in the L.A. Times how to make $50,000 a year in real estate. And he thought the phone would ring off the hook, but it didn't. So he reflected, thought about it, kicked some ideas around. He said, I know they can do that, but I'm promising them more than they can believe. So he changed the headline to how to make $20,000 a year in real estate. And the phone rang off the hook. And, and here's a key thing. When you are offering people something that's going to help them develop or expand a capability, they, they have two questions. Number one, will this work? Will this work at all? And number two, will it work for me? And if you go too far past what people think is real for them, even if you know it's real, then you're going to lose their trust. And these days, you're going to lose their trust faster and harder than you would in more normal, quote unquote, times. And this is, again, why also it's so important to know your customers and what they think and what they believe. The only thing that I can really add to that is a lot of times is specifically in sales copy. Uh, if we if we put something in there where and I like to do this, especially in like biz when I'm writing a biz op or something like that kind of promo, yeah. um, putting something in there where it's like, Look, if this only got you two more clients per month, would it be worth it? Or if this only reduced your whatever problem by 15%, would it be worth it? It's not promising I'm going to solve it 100%. It's not promising I'm going to bring you in 5,000 new clients. It's just, hey, if this only does this very believable and easy to imagine thing, would it be worth it? And if the answer to that is yes, 
then they're a, a lot more likely to pull the trigger than if I'm saying, how great would your life be if I brought you in 16,000 new clients in the next three months? Um, that people are going to be like, six, that's ridiculous. I couldn't even handle that. What are you talking about? There's not even 16,000 people in my market. So the scaling it down and saying, look, if we could only get you these results, which are very easy to imagine getting, would it be worth it for you? And if the answer to that is yes, it goes a long way for building trust that you can actually get it accomplished for them. Yeah, that's a good point. As marketers, this goes against our nature. You know, this is a counterintuitive thing to do, but it's important if you, if you want to help people, if you want to help yourself, your client, and make a sale. And, and that is, you know, we like to think of the best and promise the most and, you know, get to the top of the totem pole. But the reality is that if people don't believe it, it's all for naught. So people got to believe it. And sometimes scaling it back the way you're talking about works really well. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. So, all right. Trigger number 11, which is the third one in this podcast, is from desperation to salvation. And this traces the path of a place moving from complete helplessness to an amazing turnaround that you can actually deliver with your product. Uh, now, desperation, it's a very powerful emotion because it begs salvation. And there's more than a few people right now who are justifiably or not to you feeling desperate, okay? Understand this is like widespread even if you're living very comfortably and all the people you know are, doesn't mean everyone is. So here's an imaginary ebook on how to get free groceries, some copy for it. Too much money? Too much, sorry, too much month at the end of your money? You know that one? Been a problem in our family since, well, forever. Uh, we did our best by economizing, but those commercials, the kids want all the latest cereals, toaster goop, that's what I call stuff like Pop-Tarts, and anything else they saw on TV it was a real headache. I wouldn't stop them from watching TV because then they'd never shut up about that. I had to drag them with me when we went shopping, and they still keep trying to fill my shopping cart with all the stuff we can't afford. I don't know what I would have done without the life-saving secrets I learned in free groceries, stretch your food dollar by not spending it in the first place. Now we have so much money at the store each month, I can get whatever extras and treats I want. Okay? 
So I'm sure someone's got to write that. There, you know, there might be coupon sites. There, there are people who've actually figured out how to get paid to go shopping. I don't, I don't know about that, but you know, some people are really good with coupons. Anyway, um, how do you do this? First step is put yourself or someone like yourself in your mind or your prospect in a situation of desperation where you desperately need something. Uh, here's how we did it in the copy above. We did our best by economizing, but the kids still wanted everything they saw on TV. Second step, up the ante. Make what they need almost impossible to find, like this. They keep trying to fill my shopping cart with stuff we couldn't afford. And third step, save the day by bringing in your product. Your product is the hero of this drama. You deliver salvation this way. Your product provides a solution to your reader's problem. It's a solution that as far as they or you are concerned, didn't even exist and couldn't possibly exist. Um, I'll give you one example I can think of. Um, I, I, I see it on TV, but it's a direct response ad. It's this IRS negotiation company. About 30 years ago, I was way behind on my taxes myself. I couldn't find a way out. Um, I was pretty desperate. I had an accountant who had flown nuclear bombers in the military. That's true. And uh, I guess he had the resolve to negotiate with the IRS as a result of that experience. Did a good job. I don't know what he did or how he did it, but I got a chance to make a fresh start. And here I am today. Still here. The people giving testimonials in these commercials tell a real desperation to salvation story. It's very believable to me because I've been through what they've been through. And I keep seeing the same ad work on weeks on end, so it must work. It's, it's a direct response TV ad. So those are a couple examples. Desperation is usually about something pretty primal, pretty low on the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, survival stuff. Um, any thoughts about that? I just want to warn people to be careful with this one, especially right now. Uh, I, what comes to mind is like the two years ago, I was living on my sister's couch and I didn't have a dollar to pitch in on the pizza. And there was cockroaches crawling underneath my shoes. And now I'm living the dream in Hollywood Hills with four Lamborghinis and hot, attractive swimsuit models next to my swimming pool. And in certain times when, when, Abundance is the mindset for most people. It's really easy to believe that you can go from uh, that type of desperation to that type of salvation. But in a time like this, it's going to come off as tone deaf and, and completely untrustworthy and unbelievable. So you, you kind of touched on it earlier. Make the promise believable. Make the transformation believable. Otherwise, if you're trying to say... Um, yeah, you, you just lost your job and nobody's hiring because uh, nobody's even allowed to be open for business and your business just burned down or whatever the case may be. But don't worry, three months from now, you could be living, living it up in the Hollywood Hills, just like me. A lot of people are just going to be like, dude, that's not even close to where my mindset is at right now. And so you got to be careful with it. I think that it can work. The, the example you gave of the um, the the grocery store and, and feeling 
uh, like you can't buy your kids what they want and, and the stress and the frustration there that, that would hit home for so many people, but you didn't make a promise. Like you can have everything paid for and you can live a lavish lifestyle and you guys can eat all organic food from whole foods for the rest of your life. You just said, Hey, there is a way out of this and it won't be nearly as stressful. It's not organic food from whole foods every day, but it is possible. So be careful with it. It works, but uh, it can also, if you don't, if you don't uh, wield it properly, according to the times that we're in, it can come off as tone deaf. Yeah. I, that's really good advice. And I think it, it, it would help too, especially for people who are doing really flashy biz op offers to realize people's wants have changed right now. You know, they don't want to live in Hollywood Hills with four Lambos. They want to make sure they have enough to eat and that they can continue to live wherever they're living right now through the next month. So sometimes you got to adjust your thinking based on your customer's thinking. Absolutely. David, man, a lot of, of great stuff. I'm going to also promote Breakthrough Copywriting, one of my favorite books for the, wow. the video. <laughs> you have one. I have one too. Amazing. There's more no, than one copy. Mine's an autograph copy. So I feel like mine is a little bit more special than yours is. Um, the author is also a really great friend of mine. And uh, I absolutely recommend his work. And if people want to check out and get a copy of this book, I think we have it. Actually, if, if you go to Copywriters Podcast, I think that there's a link to where you can get it there. But um, I this is one of my favorite copywriting books. Where can people, uh, where, what's the best place for people to find it at? Oh yeah. You can just find it on Amazon. You can get it as a Kindle or as a hard copy. And I want to say, I know the author. And even though I know the author, I still think he's a great guy. <laughs> All right, David. Um, another fantastic episode. Copywriterspodcast.com is where you can find more episodes if you enjoyed this one. Make sure that you're subscribing on whatever your preferred podcast app is. Yeah, and we're on Spotify now, right? We are on Spotify. Man, we're all over the place right now. Uh, and uh, the numbers just keep going up. So I appreciate everybody that's tuning in and checking out the show. And I appreciate you for putting together these awesome episodes every week. Thank you. And um, as I said in a post in a group in Facebook, you know, Nathan, without you, I'd still be me. But without you, there'd be no Copywriters Podcast. So thank you for, for birthing the idea and, and all everything you do. Awesome. Well, this is a passion project and a labor of love and um, very rewarding to be a part of. So I appreciate, I appreciate, I'm, I'm just feeling very appreciative today. Warm and toasty. Hmm. All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.